Voy en bicicleta por un camino de tierra. Los coches aparcados tienen pelos de hierba. Cuesta Hello, everyone. How are you doing? Welcome. Citizen Reporter is the podcast. Mark Fonseca Rendeiro is my name. And yes, we're still here all these years later. Today, we start off the year with a very special guest, Martin of Stocktown Chronicles, the podcast that brings you interesting people from the city of Stockholm in Sweden. I went up there to see him. He is my dear, dear friend. And we got to talking about podcasting, how we got into it, how it has changed over the last, where are we, 11, 12 years. So I thought I would share that conversation with you. It's a longer one, but I think it's the kind of conversation that you could really lose yourself in and enjoy following along. So let's get to that, and I'll see you on the other end. Recording the conversation years ago with my friend came from, was inspired by you because you said that you brought your... Uh, re old recording, I think, analog recording device with you to Portugal to record your grandparents. Yeah, I started with a tape recorder and then moved digital. Yeah, and that's what I was saying. Mm. Are, are we recording? Right we now? are. We are recording, as far oh. as I know. Okay. So yeah, I used to do that, and um, and what was good about it, I think, is. I did it for years. So I, my grandmother always told me she was going to die next year, whatever year it was. She's still alive. Uh, so ever since I was like 12, she was telling me like, Mark, you won't see me next year. When we come back to Portugal, you won't see me. I'll be gone. And I was in the beginning, wow. I was like, what? <laughs> But then I discovered it's just a sort of Portuguese fatalistic. It's not uh, the only culture. Fado. Yes, it's very fado. She didn't sing for me, but she said, I won't be here. <laughs> And uh, and then it just became like the running joke in our family, and so very charming. Oh, Grandma, you're so sweet. But you're gonna uh, die. Yeah, yeah. And I would say like, then we'll come back for your funeral. And I learned to make jokes like my mom would. Yeah, my mom always would say like, well, let us know what day you're dying. It, you know, there's no sense in ruining our scheduling and stuff like that. But um, so I I wouldn't I would record like maybe one hour per year. Uh, but the good part was I managed to do that for like 10 years. So I have a lot of my grandparents stories my grandfather is now gone and uh even no not in, when he was almost gone he, he wasn't able to tell any stories but uh but up until his last year i was still getting stories uh they were just became smaller they became kind of he would not want to talk after a while he'd be like what was i talking about but a couple of years before that he would tell long stories about you know first gig when he moved to the us and different jobs uh, a lot of different job stuff how he met my grandmother what life was like what farming was all he would get into the small details so i have a, an archive of that stuff mm, beautiful it's in portuguese so some of it i'm like oh the world should hear this but that's not really going to happen uh, but family wise could hear it uh, whoever's interested you know i have to but the the catch the next catch is organizing all this stuff because i've tried to keep good folders and files and it's all backed up and there's definitely two copies of everything but i still have trouble remembering where it all is uh yeah i'm getting a little bit concerned about filing pictures music uh, you name it uh i'd like to put things in shoeboxes <laughs> put it on the uh, on the attic and uh rediscover them and it's not the same with the digital world and i'm afraid of just forgetting that I have this cloud subscription somewhere over there and there might mm. be those files and can't remember the password or, <laughs> or the company just disappears mm. or mm. deletes everything like they did with my website. 
Oh, the injustice, the, the website deletion. Yeah, that that going out of business of a lot of those people that in 2005 were hired by the whole Adam Curry podcasting experiment. I don't know if you remember this, but I would have told you about it back then a lot because uh, it was high on my mind. And Adam Curry and his company were uh, paying people to podcast. They would give you like a two-year contract, maybe even a three-year. And they would pay you like a pretty good full-time salary. I mean, pretty good for podcasting. Mm. And part of the deal, which was no problem for most people, was um, you can put your files, you should put your files on the company's server, which is gonna be, was going to be a fast server made for podcasting. And that was all fine. Everybody did that. But the, po- the company went eventually bankrupt. First, it changed its name. It did all kinds of weird moves. And a, none of those contracts were renewed. So all those paid podcasters were putting all their files on the server. First, they stopped getting paid. And then the company said, you know, well, that time is over. It's not going to work. But uh, you know where your files are still here. And then it took about maybe four years, five years. And then they announced that they were actually going to delete all the files. So please either download it. But some people insist, including Madge, that um, there wasn't any real warning or at least it wasn't very visible. So she lost, um, she used to do video blogging in the early days of video blogging. So she lost a lot of years, especially the late 90s uh, videos that she would put up and uh, all because of like, you know, company going out of business. But yeah, it happens all the time. Um, you probably find it dull or maybe it's super interesting but can we go back you just mentioned two names from the old uh, early the days old. of the- podcasting uh, can you just start at the beginning and uh, tell about how you got exposed to podcasting what was the first time you oh. got exposed to mm-hmm. so it was about 2004 uh, I was in Amsterdam you were still in Amsterdam And I was living in that that Dutch student house. This is mostly for you and me, um, where I kept moving apartments in the same complex. And I remember it well. I guess sometimes you remember where you were when you were listening to something. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you just kind of zone out, but yet you're still there. And I had a blog on blogger.com, which I think at that time had already been bought by Google. So it was Mm -hmm. like, ooh, this thing is bigger than big. Like, this is important. And blogging was getting more and more attention for its potential. Um, and I just liked blogging. I saw it as some kind of, I could be a creative writer. I thought I could be someone. And like many people did at this time. Yeah, they did. I thought I was someone. That's the other thing. You are someone. You're still someone. Oh, thank you very much. Hi, hi. I'm someone. And, um, you're someone too. But so there was this, um, blogger announced that they had a phone number that you could call in California and you could just record and it would appear on your uh, website. Mm. And I was like, great. I went to like the payphone at Waterloop line. And I think I brought whatever newspaper I had. I used to buy the French newspaper a lot. And I would just say, this is what's news over here. This is what I'm looking at. I would always pick the tiny article that wasn't getting enough attention. And, um, that would go on the, the site and people would come and press play and cool. And everybody was so positive. It was like a five minute me talking on a payphone about what was in the news. But maybe more important to your question is, you know, what did I hear first? Because I was playing with that about November 2004, maybe even September, October 2004. And at the same time, uh, someone had said that specifically, I think Adam Curry was one of the first names that came up. And I knew that name and I didn't know why. Uh, and later I realized, oh yeah, growing up in New York, in New Jersey, his voice was on the radio. And in fact, I wasn't a kid with cable, so I didn't have MTV. 
But we had friends, of course. I don't remember him from MTV. I saw that's the thing. I saw images and maybe some uh, some uh, recordings of him being a VJ. Yeah, but I, yeah. I don't have that right. I don't have that association. Uh, I just thought of radio when I saw his name, and I heard that he was. I don't know how it was put to me. It was written. I think it was written in blogs. I was such a blog hound. I would read anything, and it was one somebody talking about Adam Curry. Someone had written. Okay, now it's coming back to me. There was a blog about freelancing, and I was just starting to understand what the hell was going to happen after school. Mm-hmm. We, you and I, had just finished school, and um, how was work life going to go? And we both knew that we don't really like uh, regular jobs, and we definitely were looking for all kinds of uh, solutions to that. And you've, you've carved your way; to, you know, a complete. You were definitely not at work at five o'clock today. Uh, <laughs> don't tell anyone. But um, so I was, you know, I was looking around for how do you be a freelancer because that might be what I'm going to do. I had been trained to be a journalist before, and I thought, oh, that's where I'm going. And there was a blog about, it was very general, it was kind of even boring, but it had a lot of useful links mm. to services I hadn't heard of, uh, new startups, stuff that doesn't even around anymore. For them. Some, probably the, some of the first mentions of Delicious mm. as a file saving, which I don't even use anymore, but anymore, I no. use something like it still, Evernote. And um, this person said, oh, and there's a such thing as basically audio blogs, or as they're being called, podcasts. I think she used the word. Adam Curry being one of the first podcasters and he drives from his castle in Belgium and talks as he drives. And I thought, I got to go hear that. And actually he was no longer living in Belgium at that time. He was uh, just moved to the UK to Surrey. Surrey, right. <laughs> and the only reason I know that is because he would say that at the beginning All of each time. program. Yeah. And um, so I started listening. You just went to, it was called audio.blogs.com. What happens if you go there now? Um, <laughs> there was audio, it's probably spam.blogs.com. And it was a big list. And at the top, you would see, it was said that any podcast that was published, so any MP3 that was published would appear at the top of this list. They were pulling in feeds. It doesn't make any sense to me now because how could you have gotten all the mp3s that were being uploaded on the internet but uh, whatever the case maybe you had to submit your feed i don't know why it worked but it worked and you would see a list of file names i don't even think there were titles but you know of course people had specific file names so daily source code was adam's program at the Mm. time and it would be just dsc and you knew it was dsc and then there was another one um D &D. And it was like Don and Don and Drew, and I pressed play. And I Don, Don and Drew. Yeah, oh and God, actually, man. I'm not sure if I listened to Adam before I listened to Don and Drew. I'm not really sure about that, but I definitely heard them mentioned the same week. And I pressed play, and I listened to these two people in Wayne, Wisconsin, on a farm. I remember they were described how cold it was, so cold, so cold, and they're in this. Uh, they called it like the farmhouse and it's made of stone. And they're, she's talking about how she's afraid because she found bats in the basement. Mm-hmm. And they're just discussing, you know, eating bats, uh, Ozzy. Uh, at some point, they start discussing somehow penises always come up into it or sex or oh, that didn't sound right. Um, and so everything would go towards some kind of uh, or sex or, or, or farting or sort of child humor. I don't know if sex is not child humor, but you know what I mean? Teenage humor. <laughs> there you go. And it, so I loved it actually, because it was this mix of a place that I don't really feel like I've ever known, but I was living in Europe. So it was fun to hear this type of American was interesting to me. They were just fun. Um, they were doing whatever came to mind and I liked it. So I would listen to Don and Drew. And I would listen to Daily Source Code, and especially Daily Source Code, Adam would mention other podcasts. He felt himself 
someone who's going to be able to point you in the right direction. So this was kind of my start. And then all one other, I think that was mentioned on the freelance blog. She mentioned a guy in Tokyo that was just recording his daily commute. And I said to myself, I want to hear daily commute in Tokyo. And he actually, he had a great voice as a voice, a lot like yours, in my opinion. And he would um, just bring this little cheap recorder around his neck. He did, I, I wrote to him and asked, and he told me, um, and he would take the, the Metro and talk about what he sees. And you would hear the sounds of like vending machines. And we all know oh, yeah. Japanese vending machines are so crazy. And there's so many like, <laughs> and it was great. Um, yeah, and I was there when I was Tokyo Calling. Right? Yeah, Tokyo Calling, which Lockman. Lockman. Yeah. Last known location, Saudi Arabia. Really? Yeah. Uh, for work. Yeah. I remember that you did something similar then. Uh, I remember you brought your bike. And you, you were, I think you mentioned... Uh, doing that, those recordings that you're trying to do sounds he called it soundscaping as and some people a different different term for it yeah i took adams adam said i mean i took adams adam said it was sound seeing, sound seeing which right. rolled off my tongue pretty well so sound seeing is what it was um scott used to call it soundscapes uh there was a lot of discussion about don't use the word podcasting because it's an apple word it's a good point but the whole thing just it was too late it was out it was And there was a lot of debate. Don't call it podcasting. Maybe even Apple would sue you. <laughs> Apple was quick with that, but I remember clearly a period of at least half a year when I when you brought me into uh, that world. Uh, they hadn't touched it yet. No, there was no section. There was no, no iTunes podcasting. It didn't exist. But then it happened really quick, and yeah. that was sort of an encouragement for many, I guess. Oh, True. Look at that. This is actually happening. There's something to it. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, when yeah, that, and then all of a sudden it turned a little bit, and like, oh, they're trying right. to. Well, what was really cool is uh, by December, these are small increments of time here. By December 2004, still the beginning, still no podcasting in iTunes, as far as I remember. I remember quite well. But there were all these new people coming out with different, slightly different kinds of programs. And that was another thing. We thought in the beginning, I mean, I don't know how far we were thinking, but we we were doing our daily lives, talking about daily life. Mm -hmm. And it was interesting to talk about daily life, hearing the voices in different countries, different parts of, even if you were, everyone was in the US, you could still hear differences, right? And because the US is so diverse. Mm -hmm. So Adam, again, I got to give a lot of credit to Adam. Uh, he, and he wasn't the only one, but he really spearheaded it. He wanted to have directories. And at that time, I think it was called iPotter. Everything was using the name iPod. Right. Remember that one, yeah. iPodder. Um, Lemon Fetcher. Lemon even became a, Lemon. a player or something. But one of the programs or one of the projects was to have a directory. And people could submit. And they even had, I think, a few volunteers that would curate that directory. Well, when Apple finally caught up within a few months, by 2005, I think it was spring, uh, when a section in iTunes became podcasts, They just pulled in a lot of those, as far as I could understand it, because I didn't have any insider at, at Apple. Some people did, but did not. Sorry. And um, so you would see all the people that had been in these, you know, community-made uh, search um, directories. They were in iTunes, and it mm. was a really. If you had asked me at that time, anything was possible because if I had I had been categorized under, I don't. Yeah, at that time already, maybe news, which was a bit much. I'm not really news, but. I had aspirations. And by being categorized as news and by being an early podcast, I found myself next to 
any mainstream as well as independent podcast. I could be next to uh, CNN, which maybe nah, at that time they didn't even have a podcast, but BBC was early. They just took their radio and called it a podcast. So I could be one row down or three rows down. I was Bicycle Mark at that time, so I could be right next to them. Mm-hmm. And it did happen. I think I even have screenshots just to prove it, but it doesn't really matter because within a few months, maybe a year, there started to be a sort of selection that was being made and you'd get the big banner and there were new ways that, well, the sheer amount of podcasts going into the listing meant that I was going to get further and further away from anyone's uh, general browsing. Now you could still search specifically for me, right? And that's still possible, Mm. but it's no longer just to fast forward about 10 years. It's no longer the case that you're side by side with these major names. As much as people will say, ah, the internet has, you know, leveled the playing field and anybody can be media. I mean, if people are still saying that they're just, they're not very aware of the new complications. They're right in the simplicity of the formula initially. Yes, you know, we can make something as quality or uh, as entertaining as mainstream, but it doesn't get received or featured the same way, you know. So, and iTunes became a very important place, if not the most important place for podcasts, which wasn't true in the beginning, maybe for the first year, not at all. Um, a lot of these directories stayed alive. They competed with with iTunes, but it they, they only lasted another two years mm. or so before they started dropping out or people weren't maintaining them either. So... That was that. Um, but those were the early days of podcasts. And and people became... What also happened was people became much more specialized. So I remember some of the earliest signs of it. I don't know why. I don't know if I saw it coming. But you'd hear an advertisement, usually on Adam's show, for a wine podcast. Adam was always oh, looking yeah. for... The beer podcast. Kinds. Yes, 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 yes. And so it started to become a specialized thing. And this is really... You know, this is what's happened to the internet. Never mind podcasting. It was... What do you like? Ah, we have a program that's about that thing that you like, coincidentally or not. And tech was, of course, the big subject. That was the first subject, really. But then it became all kinds of specialized topics. So what I find is that people who were listening, who used to not mind hearing uh, some guy walking around Amsterdam or some guy taking the train in Tokyo, they got much more specific and they didn't all stick around. They moved on, right? There's just more choice. You know, if in the beginning there were only five podcasts and I ask you, what's your favorite podcast? Well, if you're into it at all, you're going to choose one of the five. But a year or two later, there's a hundred, there's 500 podcasts and they have different specializations. So you're not going to listen to something that isn't quite what you wanted or, yeah, or you got bored. It's possible. That's a very important point because the development that you described is sort of... Oh, yeah. played, played itself out over the course of a year or something like that. Um, and you keep saying we quite a lot. And rightly <laughs> so, because you were part of this early community. And it was, uh, I think, might be very interesting to a lot of people that are listening to podcasts now and came very late to the game. <laughs> it seems like such a commodity. It's there. Podcasts have already always existed. <laughs> and and they've become such a different thing, as you just True. said. In the beginning, it was just a couple of people recording themselves. Yeah. Uh, the the two or three that you just mentioned, I remember one that I was really fond of, uh, uh, mm, Viva La Podcast. Oh, yeah, the Viva Podcast. Viva Podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a couple from New Mexico, Albuquerque, yeah. I think. Yeah. 
They used to read your messages or your musical recommendations. Right. I remember hearing your name. That's also yeah. a good point. Yeah. Good, good to bring it up because uh, those podcasts were so accessible. They had a <laughs> very small listener base. But as you said, since they were only, let's say, 50 in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and of that 50, 10 really interesting ones. Um you would just reach out to them and mm -hmm. send emails and uh, they would get back to you. It was uh, a part of the show it was to awesome. read the messages. You wanted those messages. And I always got a kick out of it when, when someone mentioned like, um, uh, Madge, you, you mentioned yeah, earlier, yeah. she referred to you quite a lot. Always. I think did Adam Curry. Yes. That? He helped me a lot. So Adam inadvertently or well, maybe not inadvertently, but he mentioned my show. And from there I got a huge boost. Yeah. And just listening to the podcast, often while sitting uh, at the office typing away, uh, someone mentioning you was like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah. So I was almost inclined to send a message to the podcast saying, oh, you just mentioned a guy that I know. Right. He's, and you could. He has dark hair. You didn't know that. <laughs> I do. <laughs> right. Um, you were part of it. It's more engaging that way. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, I can't remember the name of the two of them. Ooh. Oh, forgive us. Lisa is one. Greg? Lisa. Yeah, Lisa and Greg. There you Lisa go. There so, you go. yeah, you, I um, I heard them talking about uh, a German punk band. And Probably. they were really bummed out because they couldn't get the music. Huh? It wasn't on iTunes. Right. Was it iTunes? Yeah, it was iTunes. There was, but... Uh, they tried to get it on Amazon, but I couldn't. So, I did something really naughty. I just <laughs> sent them the files, an entire album. Yeah. Um, file by file. Yeah. Um, and they were really happy about that. Okay. Yeah. So. And the thing is, like, that stuff, as far as I'm concerned, in my opinion, my opinion, but that stuff was real. I mean, and what I mean is lots of media come along and they'll keep coming along. And they're sitting around at meetings. I've been in some of these meetings. And they're like, we have to engage the community. We have to make them feel like we're with them. And it's all so premeditated. And maybe some of it is real, but... This, the fun, the funnest part about podcasts, I'm sure there were exceptions, but is that people genuinely were doing this. Like they were excited. They were excited to hear from you. It wasn't any, uh, mission. There was no secret mission to get you to buy some, I mean, advertisement came later, but it was just exciting to reach out and have contact with one another. If you were from different countries, even cooler, but actually in many cases, it was just people maybe from your same state or wherever you are. Um, and it was all interesting. It was all exciting. We were much more satisfied with very little back then. Oh, yeah, but, Actually, yeah. I don't think it was little, in fact, but now it's considered little, right? If I take a mic and walk around Stockholm, I think there's still value in that. But I've noticed the audience out there may not, right? Right, right. <laughs> Completely. I, I'm still looking for those kind of podcasts. Um, there are bigger ones out there mm -hmm. who manage to get random interesting people and they have discussions like we have now. That I can get a kick out, but I still like the ordinary stuff. It doesn't have to be specialized yeah. and, or it can be specialized, but not mainstream, I guess, yeah. not commercialized. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a podcaster named Madge Weinstein. Uh, it is a character, although there's a lot of truth at mm. the heart of the character. Uh, it doesn't take long to speak Madge language. Um, she is an angry lesbian. That's not the only thing that matters. She's also Jewish. She's also old. All these things matter a great deal to her, and she'll make them matter to you <laughs> in her way. Uh, she's also the former lover of Ethel Merman and perhaps Nancy Reagan. There are rumors. <laughs> she used to manage a, a girl band, girl spelled G-double-R-L. 
um, called Goddess Riot Juice. (laughs) (laughs) They used to play the Lilith Fair. Anyway, I know all these facts because I love Yeast Radio, which is the name of the program. I still listen. Uh, a couple times time. a week. It's it's a great challenge to still listen. They would tell you that because it is so abstract. It mm-hmm. is so crazy. It's offensive. It's um, it's experimental above all. And they're obsessed with crank phone calls. Still. Uh, <laughs> yes, still. Yes, yes. And actually, one of the reasons they're still obsessed with it is because they kind of dare you as the audience to still keep listening because no one should still be doing this or listening but we are they do other stuff too they now watch movies together the girls movies with the girls i love listening to movies with the girls they're now three characters that are regulars on the show they basically run the show one is uh cheryl murkowski who is eternally 25 years old and has one three-fourths of a lung because of chain smoking has a very deep voice she's a very scary woman in my opinion um she was recently bad mouthing me i don't remember why <laughs> yeah she said i look like somebody in the news anyway mm. so there was yeast radio and yeast radio in the beginning was indeed madge's world it still is madge's world where um madge was in fact um a a well i i, I won't make the mistake that adam once made of saying it's a character, it's fake, it's not fake, it's very real. But Madge was a stage performer in Chicago. Not just stage, uh, she did many things, but an offline persona as well. And uh, within Chicago, she's part of the gay community, which is very vibrant, very so many hilarious people and interesting people doing so many different kinds of projects. So they would sometimes come on the show. Mm. Uh, and, and even if they didn't, she would talk about them to no end. And at some point... Um, the creator of Madge Weinstein, who's Richard Bluestein, would decide that uh, I want to create like a community, a community site independent of Apple or whatever. And it's going to be called Q Potter, uh, Queer Potter in the beginning. And it's just going to be a forum. You can ask questions about podcasts. Their goal was let it focus on the gay, lesbian and friends community. So I was there as well, which is always a big honor. And to this day, uh, some of my most wonderful supporters come from that time mm. and that place even. Um, so she created a community or he, uh, I'm, I openly uh, cross those two all the time. Why not? And uh, it was pretty active. It was, and nowadays, it's hard to say there's one forum or one central place where gay and lesbian and, and related podcasts are. They're, they're, not, they're everywhere. You know, it doesn't matter anymore. It's decentralized. But the idea back then was that it could all be in one place. And so you would get to know any new podcast from this community. Um, and even those podcasts were diverse in terms of being about music or Broadway. I mean, you could, you know, there were a couple of stereotypes in there. But um, so it was... Amazing. And I got to go to a few meetups in New York where people from that community and lots of other communities would show up as long as the common thread was podcasting and you'd all get to meet and you'd see that face for the first time. And actually, over the years, you'd get to meet again and again, Uh, especially in Europe. I got to meet a lot of them, not just audio podcasters, also video podcasters. Madge was also a video podcaster, very prolific in that department. She'd been doing it for years, in fact. Um, so that was fun because you made these offline friends as well, but that was the thing about podcasting. You listen to somebody and it wasn't just somebody far away from you, even though that geographically they are, you would come to know them. And that was not fake. Uh, that was real. And so, uh, to this day, like I said, you know, Madge is still a big, big part of my life and I haven't sat in the same room as her in maybe two years. Uh, but it doesn't matter. You know, we catch up, we call each other offline and online for the mm. podcast. So a podcast was also a way to maintain a friendship. Um, 
And I, and I think there's, there's some truth to it. I mean, you and I have long talks, but we can have one here with mics as well. So it's all part of it. It was an, um, kind of an amazing time. Um, but it all kind of faded to a certain extent as well by 2006, 2007. I, I think so. And, um, I don't really know how <laughs> my story, uh, fits into this. Um, but I think it does in a way because, uh, what I was trying to get it with the, the sad story, uh, about her boyfriend passing mm, mm. she was very open yeah about that yeah. and very her, touching her girlfriend or was his boyfriend, boyfriend. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you're, you're, um, yeah but there was definitely the the yes okay madge's um, partner yeah the partner in yeah. real life and it was a character on the show also but in the real life died of cancer yeah and um very sad and touching yeah. um she would go to the hospital and record at the hospital and <laughs> she was playing a song and I just felt the impulse. You know what? I have the song that sort of captures the moment that I'm experienced by listening to what she's talking about. I think that would be a very nice fit. It's very, it was a very sad song. And so I sent it to her mm-hmm. and she played it. Okay. And I didn't know that. Wow. I, I really enjoyed it, I think. So I got really excited and uh, contact, contacted the, the girl uh, who had recorded the song. Sent her an email saying, oh my God, you won't believe what happened. There's this podcaster and uh, she played your song. And I was expecting this, this big, oh my God, you're, oh, no. you're great. Become a manager. <laughs> right. like that. She was like, oh, well, what's a podcast? But I'm glad that he enjoyed it. Okay. At least it wasn't negative. Yeah. 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 yeah but yeah. I, I, I thought it was fitting a accessibility. You could still reach out to, to the podcasters and uh, reach them. Yeah. Affect them to some extent, get feedback back from them. And at the same time, it became so apparent that podcasting was such a niche thing still. Yeah. That if you would tell some, someone this has significance, your song was aired to an audience of 500. Uh, and that, like, <laughs> and those are people that are somehow related to audio. I mean, they're musicians, but, and still we had a problem because it wasn't understood. It wasn't, it wasn't valued. Um, and sometimes rightfully so we were a little crazy with what we did, but it was really disappointing how, because it wasn't about profit, because it was so imperfect, qualities varied, um, that people didn't value it. No one was gonna, you know, you could ask for donations and there some people would give. Uh, a- amazing time, by the way, when, when Madge's uh, girlfriend dies. <laughs> and again, this kind of comes, well, this comes to the modern question of, you know, what does it mean when we share these experiences and we talk about them because so many listeners wanted to come to the funeral and many did. Really? And it was weird. I wasn't there, but it was odd to listen to, I tell you, because some people wanted to give a speech or sing a song, do something nice, which is a good thing in the end. But sometimes it was like, wait, do we really know each other? Do you really, especially at this level? But But it happened. Some people came and uh, from all witnesses, it was a wonderful, uh, under the circumstances occasion. Of course, it was very sad because uh, 
was you know gone too taken taken too young as, as they always say um so that, that's the other thing right you 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 experience it in different ways and then you get different reaction from the audience they want to be part of it they feel part of it they, they are, are part they of are of part of it yeah in the end they are part of it how much are they part of it they are part of it yeah. there's so many people that um they're part of my life and i have no idea that i exist <laughs> I, I listen to them almost every day but that's the difference right they have no idea you exist back then at that time they would right uh and that was an exception because in the world of arts so often you don't get to meet your favorite painter your favorite singer uh, there are more opportunities nowadays i used to be obsessed especially being in Amsterdam, venues can sometimes be small, that you could actually meet the musician that you like a lot. And the smaller they were, right, the more similar to what you were saying about finding the upcoming stars, then you could say hello after the show and you could even be friends. And sometimes this has worked out for me in my life. Um, and then as the years go on, whether they become more famous or not, who cares? They're your friends and, and it's fun to know them in person as possible. And I think this is a huge difference. I think it has value. Like we grew up with like, whether it's MTV or it was the famous people, they're in that box or they're on that screen and we're not allowed. You know, if we see them, this is how we value ourselves. If we see them, our one reaction is to thank them, of course, for their work. That's kind. And get them to sign something. Mm -hmm. Because having their signature on anything is somehow a connection. Like a samurai sword. Yes. Randy Jackson. Because <laughs> you're not going to not get Randy Jackson's signature. Um... <laughs> So that's the weirdest part about our world. And it's not just in American culture. I think it, it, it went everywhere or it's, it's been everywhere that we often, maybe you don't care, maybe you don't want to, but we often think of people who do important stuff and are talented. We, we just admire them from afar. We don't want to maybe deserve to be friends with them. I wonder how many people are in that area. Podcasting was cool because you could feel free to reach out and be friends with the people uh, as, as much as you could. Maybe it's not the same as, you know, the person who lives next door to you. Although, mm. depending on where you live, the person next door to you doesn't know you anyway anymore. So it may be a much closer connection. Right? Don't know anyone in this house. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking as I was talking, we're in Stockholm. <laughs> <laughs> Neighbors feel all kinds of weirdness towards each other. I probably brought that up. But when I, when I um, moved to my first apartment, my, my parents would tell me, don't forget to go around the house and say hi to all the neighbor and introduce yourself. Bring them a cake. Like, oh, shit. I really have to do that, don't I? So I did. And oh, no. Most of them invited me in. I was drunk when I got to the fourth floor. <laughs> wow. So they didn't just invite you in. They were like, oh, you should have drinks. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So there is a culture of welcoming. It's just. I guess so. I don't know if it has changed. That was. <laughs> 20 odd years. <laughs> Slow oh. down, old man. <laughs> 15, six, it was, six, it was 16 less... years ago. Um, what? Anyway, yeah. yeah. Uh, similar to Amsterdam. I remember uh, those not nice ladies living upstairs from us in on Villa Yeah, Island. I still and talk to them. Very nice. Yeah. And, um, That's yeah, an amazing country. thing because, yeah, in some cases they might not have talked to anyone, but we dare to break the ice. And it and then you're, you're, you once you break that ice, you're in. You know, you just need to make some odd, extraordinary efforts in the beginning. Yeah, uh -huh. depending on what culture you live in, that can backfire. But yeah, true, true, weird. So yeah, podcasting in those days was um, an amazing thing, but it was also incredibly. It became incredibly frustrating if 
if you weren't satisfied with this, what we just described, um, if you wanted to reach more people, there were, it was no sure way, you know, there was no guarantee. There was more and more competition, uh, competition. There were more and more choices. So at some point for me anyway, it becomes an, a, a more of an uphill battle than it ever was. Um, because you want to keep it interesting for yourself, for the people listening. And, um, one of the big wishes was you want to be able to dedicate a lot of time in your life to this. Now, should it be a job is an old debate. Um, but can it be a major part of your day? Which means probably getting some compensation for that. And even our dear Madge Weinstein to this day, although she's working other jobs, she's always asking for donations. And actually, uh, being an experimental podcast as it is, sometimes she'll threaten to shut it, off, shut it off for today if nobody donates in the next five minutes. Let's go. Give me some donations or we're not going. Now, this is a specific way to handle it. Um, also, people donate and request specific sketches or and or activities. So I oh, want then. you to call, you know, um, if you don't know, uh, a Cracker Barrel or whatever diner in the South and ask for something bizarre. Like, oh, all right. He gave 20 bucks. So we got to call the Cracker Barrel. Um, anyway, oh, that's a good model, I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, we yeah. Could, we could it's like a jukebox. S- what do you if anyone has re- requests <laughs> like songs we have, we have two yuku yuku I can't even say what they call. You've been totally ukuleles. We have ukuleles strewn about. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, but actually it is an interesting model. I donate and I'd like to leave a request, maybe not a demand hopefully, for what I'd like to hear. Um yeah, maybe It's difficult. Yeah, you still hear that even with, uh, yeah, as you said, slightly or moderately successful podcasts. Um, people who really love doing it for the art of it, or whatever you want right, to call it. Right. And they don't want to, they want to have sponsors. So they yeah. try to keep that out of the equation. And then it becomes really difficult. I mean, if you have that status where you could make a couple of bucks by promoting underwear or, um, <laughs> yeah. I had a sponsor for a while. An underwear sponsor? <laughs> uh, t-shirts. T-shirts. It lasted about six months. Yeah. There was some organic t-shirt company that really liked my oh, I think philosophy I on the world. I think I know down there. I'm still doing a lot in the US. Really? Uh, I don't remember the name of the company. Isn't that amazing? Hang on. Um, I can't remember. And I had to repeat it at the beginning, at the end of the show. Design? Shoe design? No. Oh. No, I think yours was a long time ago. But it's one yeah. shoe design Oh yeah, 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 gets yeah. that for free. Um, yeah. So, so we've had this resurgence, right? At that time, there were some people experimenting, daring to experiment with even the idea of advertisements in podcasting. And now, of course, we have a resurgence in that. Um, again, because more and more companies understand what it is or are willing to take a chance, and um, and and with that comes this resurgence in podcasting in general. In in and and that I don't know if you want to go to that now, but that comes with the comedians. Yeah, a bunch of comedians. Um, should we talk about the comedians? I don't know, but it's amazing to have seen because I never stopped listening to podcasts. Uh, you know, maybe many of you never stopped listening to podcasts. And um, you may have changed your diet. I think that's healthy to do in podcasts, like swap one out, try a different one. I always try and do that every few months or so. Um, and then I start hearing about Mark Marin. Mm-hmm. And I knew of Mark Maron as a comedian who never 
He was always sort of, you could find him playing somewhere, usually West Coast, maybe, maybe New York. I don't know. But you could see his name. It wasn't, if you wanted to see him at a show, it was pretty possible if you were in any major city in the U.S. He was hardworking, uh, not hugely successful, but getting by. And um, Not hanging with presidents at the time. No, no president in his garage. And then, and then people start saying in a lot of the different programs that I listen to, you should hear Mark Maron. You should hear Mark Maron. And I turn on Mark Maron and what's Mark Maron doing? I mean, look, there's more to it than this, but he's interviewing comedians, period. And who better suited to interview a comedian but a comedian who's been around? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not old to the point that he's forgetting what he's talking about. He's not old, period. He's not really old. He's middle-aged. And in that time, he's met a whole lot of uh, uh, comedians and he's met people who who could perhaps introduce him to people. Mm. So I don't even remember. He might have told it, but one of my favorite shows of his was when he he went to uh, hang out with Mel Brooks and oh, cool. he interviews Mel Brooks. And it's, um, it's an interview that actually I've heard Mel Brooks tell those stories before. Mel Brooks doesn't really know him as far as I understand. But still, it was a lot of fun to hear. And part of it is Mark Maron. He does have a way that's charming or it works. Works for a lot of people, obviously. But the other part is he has the right people. He just has the right people. Uh, and I, inter- being interviewed, I mean, you know, but he's talking to. I, I just realized one thing. Um, comedians were also catalysts for me to branch out and discover new a new podcast diet, as you said. But it was one aspect of podcasting in between the early days and then the modern days with a lot of famous or semi-famous mm-hmm. people. And that was... Um, I wonder what you're going to say. I don't know. Yeah, That was... Um, I got obsessed with Lost, the TV show. Right. That's a good point. And I <laughs> just started to find podcasts that talked about Lost because there True. were all this mystery and people got really obsessed. It was so, so I, confusing. You needed all the help you can get. So I tried to find someone who would source all the material that was out there. People yeah. recording the whispers in the jungle and playing the backwards. And... Uh, watching the uh, an entire episode frame by frame, <laughs> so I found one God. or two podcasts um, that were completely dedicated. Really. Yeah, uh, that's a good called? point. Jay and Jack, it was called Jay and Jack podcast, yeah. and they became hugely successful. Yeah, it was a kid and a stepdad. Okay, and yeah. the stepdad was typical. Don't know anything about technology, but let's play along. And uh, they got so famous. Yeah. Uh, so that nerd community, people sharing a common interest, cultural <laughs> references and stuff like that was sort of, I think it helped to branch it out. That's a good point. Other. Yeah. As a matter of fact, any show that people liked, doesn't matter what people, because even these real housewives have podcasts dedicated to that crap. I've seen them in the, I've never listened, but I've seen them in the uh, catalogs and and directories. But um, um, yeah, I listened to a Lost podcast. Who didn't need a podcast for Lost? It was so damn confusing and hopeless at some point. You needed a podcast. So I would listen to the directors. Yeah. Damon had a podcast. And they were funny. That was a thing, right? If they had been boring, they might have gotten boring as time went on, but they were really funny. They were good. They would, they would, I mean, people were so confused and asking questions and they were so of course, careful with what they say. And I remember them saying things like, we don't do zombies. 
you know, we promised no zombies, which I think they probably, probably broke their promise anyway. But <laughs> didn't they? More or less, because at one so, point they said our people don't come back from the dead or some shit like that. And, <laughs> and there was this. Now that's not technically zombies. There was this uh, Brazilian couple. Oh God! Wow, them. good memory. That was also very interesting because <laughs> they wrote new characters into the show. Yeah, and we found them under a rock. Community went awire, and I think podcasts mm -hmm. helped them to have the finger on the pulse of the audience. Oh, and I didn't think about that. Those characters died quite early. I think they only existed for five episodes, and they were buried alive. So it's a sort of some they they they. You have they, a unique knowledge of Lost. They were. <laughs> Poison, I think it does sound familiar. Oh, bitten by a spider, both of them, and the spider just paralyzed them. And they might have died and then came, woke up again. I remember <laughs> that they sh were shoveling the graves, and you see their eyes slightly blinking. So, wow, almost it's borderline zombie. Almost. But it's true that the whole podcasting for specialized causes, including TV, which was very big. Um, never went away. It started back then and it never went away. And it was sometimes done by regular, as you say, just amateurs and welcome by the major. And it was sometimes done by the actual studios mm. involving the directors. I probably the last, is this right? Maybe the last podcast that I would listen to about a show. And I haven't done that for about two years was the walking dead. Cause I liked the walking dead, but in the, especially the first season, I hadn't read the comics. I have now a little bit very exciting by the way. And the comics, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, but um, The Walking Dead, I, I thought, I want a little more. I want to, because I didn't know anyone that watched the show, and I don't blame them. It's uh, mm. um, So I was like, okay, I don't want to talk to anybody in my real life about this. It's too embarrassing. But I'll listen to a podcast about the zombies. Yeah. And so there was the, no, not the Talking Dead. I didn't like it because it was too polished, and it had all the stars from the show, and the Talking Dead's now a television show. That's what I mean. That's mainstream just took it and went away. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, what's his name? The Nerdist guy has made a whole a whole career out of that number one podcast. I don't know. I don't understand exactly what he does. And I suppose if you listen to what I do, he would say the same thing. So I can't, you know. I can I talk not. smack about him? No. Nah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought I can't. I can't because I just we're probably the same in some weird way. I don't think so. Um, <laughs> what's the Nerdist? Oh, who cares? I, I <laughs> still have them in my feed because sometimes they have interesting uh actors or mm. writers on but i don't like them because they sound like typical radio djs right. in a way and they just repeat their jokes all that maybe we do that too someone makes <laughs> jokes like oh, tell that joke again yeah uh oh yeah walking around like Wah. yeah like mm, and it's just a lot of Same. noises yeah. like come yeah. on okay <laughs> file that one it's done Okay, one last, but all right, are we done that? And then it's the next. Uh, they just try to be funny all the time. It's uh, very annoying. It's not real, or it doesn't work for you. It doesn't work for you. And they're huge. They're huge. Yeah, they are huge. Um, but so I liked. There were some other. There were some Canadians, I think, and I forget what what was their podcast called. I don't know something with the dead walkers oh, whatever oh, okay. and i would listen and i liked hearing they had other information i learned a lot about who directs the show and had the style and at first i thought do i care about this stuff but the more i listened the more i kind of liked it now i have stopped listening since then because I, I i just don't want that much walking dead in my week um but that was an interesting way i'll tell you one other very nerdy thing that that was part of my a podcast diet and still comes back from time to time I play fantasy sports, uh, one of the nerdiest, no. fastest growing 
pastimes in the US, whatever that's worth. And I think now in Europe, starting to happen. Well, for football, they've got it, European football. But um, I used to, you could find so many people doing fantasy sports uh, podcasts. And at first it was just to get a quick, I don't want to have to do any research. I want to just listen. These guys do the research for me. So they give you the insight. Yeah. That guy's latest news. Yeah. He was out casino drinking. I'm going to, yeah. And here's who I'll risk, you know, I'm going to take this year. But what was funny is you would get to know these people and they had certain lines. They had certain running jokes. Again, it was all very inside. They always had the player that is always on somebody's list, but never does any good, actually does bad for you. And every year, if you listen, they'd be like, I am not taking him this year. I learned my lesson, you know. All right, I, I, I had to pick him up. Everybody was injured, you know. And so you get these running jokes. And, and um, I used to love some of those fantasy podcasts because of the style of the people that were hosting. And they were just like in their living room. Many of them disappeared. Uh, they don't do podcasts anymore. They thought they could monetize it. They hoped to. Didn't happen, so they stopped. Or they just got tired because it's a lot of work. Um, so I miss a lot of those people, whatever it was, sports. It was a lot of podcasts that disappeared. Even down to Scott Lockman. I, 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 we talked about Tokyo Calling. I miss him. Um, yeah, it was great. He occasionally pops up with a project. You can always, the beauty, of course, is it's like an old friend. If you want, you can always reach out. And, and speak with these people that have stopped recording, but they're still around in this world. But um, it, that's kind of the sad part, the people who stop, you miss them. Um, and there's so much, I tried to, um, so I got brought into the hacker community in, in mainly in Germany years and years ago because of podcasting, by the way. And as a result, I would get to give a lot of talks at their events and I could basically decide whatever talk I wanted to do. Uh, media was a good topic, society. They wanted that from me. They liked it, as far as I know. Hmm. And uh, most recently, uh, now as we get older, there's a new generation making choices. They don't. Some of them don't know who I am. That doesn't help much when I need to, uh, when I want to try something new. So I proposed a talk on podcasts that have disappeared and oh. beautiful work that no one will ever find, or it's doubtful that anyone will find video podcasts and, and audio. And actually they turned me down. <laughs> oh, no. That hasn't happened that often, but it was a new name. I didn't recognize them and it turned me down saying it sounded too negative. Uh, Cause I, I put it under the fail category. They wanted to have a category of fail learning from failures. I thought it was a good idea. And I, I actually, I don't consider these failures. I consider them maybe failures on the part of society because we lost out on beauty, right, right. but we don't see it. You know, we don't see the same thing. So I, I didn't get to give that talk, uh, but I was really hoping, and I'll, you know, I can give these talks in uh, podcasts and maybe some other stage some, someday. That's a nice segment. So now there's so many podcasts that um, sometimes it feels like if you don't have a specialized topic, then, then you will not be found. And being found is such a holy grail of media production in general now. And I get to give these guest lectures and stuff uh, still at our old university and other universities in, in the area. And I meet these students and they're interested in podcasting for the exact reasons we've laid out here, the resurgence, the, the, the personal touch, all these things. And they're, one of their questions for me is always, okay, Mark, they ask me technical questions and then they'll ask me, how do we get found? And, um, and you there's no answer. Just shrug. <laughs> Yeah, there's no actual answer. I mean, there are some suggestions. There are some, it's like throwing a dart at a dartboard. Now, all the social media professionals out there, and you may run into them in your in your work, I suppose, but you know, all the people that are running around, there's so much hubris, by the way, but okay, maybe some people actually know what they're doing. A lot of hubris. A lot of hubris, because what does it take? There's a whole 
I'm, I'm, I'm in front of me right now. I have my left hand and my right hand. I have both hands. Lucky me. But um, on the right hand here, we have the people who have some money, some business, some some funds and some needs related to that. On the left hand, we have a bunch of people here who are a little bit technical, who've been around maybe with social media, definitely use it a lot. And so, you know, the people who use the social media, they're trying to make a job out of it. This is we're talking about five years ago or even 10 years ago at this point. And they're running around going, we know this stuff. We've been watching. We can tell you all kinds. We can show you tools. Because it will never change. It hasn't changed yeah. in a year. Yeah. So this will be around forever. So hire us, you, with resources here on the right. Bring us in. We're going to work for you. We charge quite a bit. And we're going to tell you what you need to do to be found. And there was a time, and there maybe still be people who are successful in this. But for the most part, it's so much... Just, um, let me, I'm licking my finger and holding it in the air. You know, just what's going on? I don't know. Just trying something at random. But as long as I act like I know what I'm doing. Social media consulting is, and I've done it as a job. And it's, I can, I can honestly say it's just full of fakers. Yeah. And there yeah. was a time where, where, where it was relevant. There's a lot of, especially companies get a little freaked out because their kids <laughs> told them uh, at dinner table, oh, Facebook or Twitter, and they, oh, maybe we should be on the Facebook and the Twitter. Um, and they didn't know the first thing about it. It was scary. They heard all these stories about companies having those major PR breakdowns, yeah, yeah, sure. uh, meltdowns. And then you just listen automatically to the guy who seems to be very confident. Yes, this is what you need. I've been working with social media for almost a year now. <laughs> so listen to me. Yeah. Build your brand, build your brand, and you're going to need social media. Uh, look, it, it, there's value somewhere in there, right? There is something to it. There is, I, I burped. Ooh. There is something to it. You, you, you should probably pay attention to social media, but, but the way it's touted as like a, a religion and there's a one, a one way to do it. There's a formula, follow the formula. You'll be found. So now to come back to podcasts, you know, people approach me with the idea that I should know this formula or that it even exists. Mm. Um, and uh, I don't got much for them these days. <laughs> like, um, yeah. I don't even have a website, man. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an overrated thing in a world where, unfortunately, people don't go to websites True. Uh, enough. You know, they go to BuzzFeed, they go to a few websites. But um, yeah. Yeah, I, I had this. Oh, so uh, I've gotten to do this is a story for you, Martin. And, and if people want to hear it, um, every now and then I visit with my someone who's very much my mentor in a lot of ways, uh, Christopher Lydon. Mm. Christopher Lydon's an old radio guy. No offense, Chris, <laughs> with or the radio. old, you know, but he's been around a very wonderful, fantastical person and career. Amazing. You know, he covered people who it's always fun to hang out with Christopher Lydon because you'll say, You'll mention a name from the past that you really think is awesome. And he'll go, you know what that guy used to say to me when we'd go out for a drink. And, uh, and it happened to me once. Uh, I was talking with Chris and I said, um, I quoted the hurricane, uh, Reuben Carter. All right. Yeah, not the, <laughs> that's a hurricane quote. <laughs> I quoted Reuben Carter. Uh, and he, go, he looks at me and he goes, you know, Reuben Carter actually had a better line. He used to tell me all the time over drinks or something. And I was just like, you... You hung out with Ruben Carter? Yeah, I interviewed him twice, you know, and, and I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's right. So, so Christopher Lydon is someone <laughs> incredible to, to hang out with. Um, 
What you're going to point? Thought, um, yeah, a similar story that is only for you, Mike. Yeah, and people are not interested. <laughs> the hurricane. We watched the movie. Right. With dance right. washing. Right. And both got obsessed by the music they were True. using. Uh, Jill Scott Heron. Yes. Um, the revolution would not be televised. Right. Right. So it became we, an obsession. Yeah. We started the next day. We went to class and started quoting the song. Yes. You will not. Yeah. White tiger. The tiger went, and the yeah, tang. Yeah, 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 get yeah. your teeth clean or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and this American guy was working for the Dutch national radio. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like, oh, I know him. My, uh, my yeah, sister yeah, used just, to date the bass player or something like that. Yeah, Jonathan Gruber is our, our friend. That, yeah, yeah, he's from Brooklyn and he lives in the Netherlands. And he goes, yeah, I know him. Oh, and by the way, he's a huge homophobe. And he's in prison. <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah, I think he's dead now. I don't, I don't remember. He's dead, he died but, three years. Two you know, and, and still amazing music. But <laughs> just go to Heron, not the yeah. radio guy. No, he's fine. I see him all the time. Uh, he has an interesting story to be told as well with his... We're talking about someone who is a radio person and is now mostly in podcasting and the funding for radio has, has dried up. Uh, public radio, anyway. So, um, yeah. So yeah, I need, needed to get that out. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's always amazing. Like, you know, oh, I, I know that person. Really? But yeah, the world is not so... Six degrees of Kevin Bacon. That's right. Speaking of which, let me tell you Kevin Bacon story. Please do. Don't let me hang you now. <laughs> I don't know, but Make I want to see. Up. I want to see the movie. Oh, no. <laughs> Tremors. What was going on? In things in the earthquakes, but they're worms. I don't know. It's a good movie. So uh, I wanted to tell a Christopher Lydon story, but it's completely escaped my, my brain. I think it was. Let me try to repiece it. So It's a lot of fun to hang out with him and to work with him because he has that long career in radio. And then he got into podcasting. And he wasn't so sure about how it all works, but he understood the number one thing. Anyone could do it or so seemed, right? Low threshold for getting in and anyone in the world could listen. Mm -hmm. That much he understood from the beginning and said, I want to be in on that. The rest of the details, other people will help me along the way. So he's done this wonderful thing, which is the combination of traditional radio, which he still does and gets paid for from stations in Boston. And... um and uh, uh, podcasting and the internet and asking and the way we know each other, by the way, is I was a listener and I would exactly as you said, send suggestions, respond when they said, tell us what you think. And in the beginning, it was just some guy, Mark, talking to Chris Lydon, who's a legend. And as far as I understand, oh, I know why I remember him now. Um, and and he, after a while, he starts responding and he starts knowing my name and I help him produce a show. I recommend guests. So you know, and then he listens to my own projects and he says from Amsterdam. Yes. Right. Yeah. And then he starts listening to my show. I don't think consistently, but enough that he would write to me and say, I like what you're doing. We got to meet. Uh, and eventually he says to me, I want to, I want to work on a project with you. I want to travel and see the world the way you do. Uh, let's, let's do it. And we, and we did. The reason I bring him up, by the way, is this whole thing of websites and social media. Uh, every time I go to visit him, uh, well, it seems someone interesting is in town or he, well, maybe they live in Boston. So we have to go meet them. It's always an adventure. I, I kind of love it. And we arrive, I, I got there uh, last year around this time and we're just supposed to have dinner and talk. And, and he goes, Mark, I got to do an interview with uh, Jared Lanier. Jared Lanier is one of these old school internet people, one of the inventors, him and Al Gore. And, and uh, the inventors of the internet I use loosely, but he was you know part of that crew. And he wrote, I am not a gadget, or you are not a gadget. 
which is a great um, book uh, on the topic of lack of creativity on the internet and the mm. following culture where everybody just does the same thing over and over again. Yes. There's much more to it. There's much more to it. His most recent is another one, similar subject. He's good. And he says some harsh crap. Now, the hard part with the internet nowadays and Facebook is you walk that fine line once you start criticizing it from sounding like a crotchety old, I'm going to say man in this case, um, who just, you know, shakes his fist at the kids to actually having a good point about the way we're using tools compared to how we could use tools. And it's, I don't even know the difference anymore, which one I am. Uh, I teach pretty young kids, you know, teenagers and young adults. And I don't always know if the kinds of things I point out about how we use social media and how we're not using it to its full potential. I don't really know if it's the words of someone with experience and knowledge or the words of someone who's getting old and bitter. I, I, I cannot tell. It's very, <laughs> it's very difficult. I've been thinking about it a lot as well, especially if we, we talked about uh, Twitch earlier, the yeah. online <laughs> gaming streaming platform, which is completely alien to me. I, I understand that it's there. I, see the success but i can't really relate to it i i i can't it doesn't make any sense to me so in that sense i feel really really old but uh what i want to bring up is perspective because this is all so young and fresh yeah um if you look at kids now if we hadn't paid attention to details in college and had kids now right um, <laughs> details <laughs> um they would be around 10 that's true yeah so and Our... that's a generation that um i have to use the word dick pics snowden this is a generation that um <laughs> can really rely on the experience of their parents because they can't relate to what it is like to grow up in these days with all these means of communication, all these social networks, uh, all this technology in your pocket. Um, you grow up and have to figure, this is the first generation that has to figure out themselves what to do and what not to do. If hmm. you see what I mean. Maybe. They yeah. Definitely to, different than what we went through. Right. As a parent, you know yeah. what it feels like if you hurt your knee uh-huh. and you can tell your kids, you know, I'm, I blow on it and it will all be better. <laughs> Medical. And, uh, yeah. and teach kids to ride a bike and stuff like right, that. Right, but right. in this sense, they have to make their own mistakes and parents can't even, even if you consider the fact that teenagers usually don't listen to their parents, but right. in this case, there's nothing to listen to. Because they don't know the first thing about it. But if it was us, we would know. I don't, I still don't even We're know still not really there. Snapchat, for instance. <laughs> okay, Except okay, for right. Dick again. Let me not be um, overconfident. Yes, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> They're actually going to call it dick pics, but it turned out not to be a very marketable name. So they chose Snapchat. Um, <laughs> uh, what, what was my point here? Um, so that's the uniqueness of this generation that is growing up now that, that our non-existent 10 year olds would be in a very different boat than we were. But at the same time, we have the benefit of, of having, or at least our generation, yeah. we have seen the development towards right. the current state. That's important. So we have some sort of uh, frame of reference yeah. and know where the journey might be going. Yeah. Uh, so it, yeah, we, we are grumpy old men yeah. and women, yeah. <laughs> um, but We've also got some knowledge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I I think so. I think there's something to it. I think we're really lucky. Uh, I listened to a a 
Again, a podcast that I can't say that everyone would like, but I love, well, love, I like it a lot. Uh, and that's The Overnightscape with Frank Nora. And The Overnightscape has actually existed for way long. I think almost as long as that beginning of podcasting 2004. It's been around. And Frank Nora is the host. He's in New Jersey. Part of the reason I listen to him is I just like hearing someone back in New Jersey where I grew up. He works in New York City. I love, he's waiting for the bus. That's how I used to get into the city mostly. And uh, I feel a great joy to hear the sounds. And he rambles about TV, about what he sees, about he loves science fiction. So other, the possibilities, uh, dimensions and and black holes and it's like listening to a sort of armchair scientist slash observer of the world and what i love love about him is he takes a microphone with him everywhere mm. i don't have the nerve to do what he does he talks to himself he walks around whenever he's not at work he's talking to himself i cannot do it anyway um i i, I love listening to him and he talks a lot about uh, well, subtopics like maybe one day somebody will find this podcast, this file, years and years from now and get a clue about what society was like based on this silly recording. Mm -hmm. So you could be listening to me in the future. He's a big believer in this. And this is an artifact and you're going, so part of the way 2015 was people would take a bus to work. You know, he really looks down, down when society is completely, this, this version has gone extinct. Like, does he go... That thought Eddie describes the concept of a bus. So it's, he uh, doesn't usually take it that far. <laughs> yes. yes, especially the New Jersey ones. They're very ancient already. Um, but why, why did I bring him up? Um, he does something that also is relevant to what we were just talking about with Generation generations. Perspective. Perspe ah, he loves to, he loves arcades. He goes looking for any arcades that are left. Ancient. In, uh, <laughs> and he loves to talk about old video games that he remembers from his childhood. He's now in his late 40s or mid 40s. And what I enjoy about his conversations with himself mostly is that he says, we lived in such a cool time. He thinks that kids have a disadvantage now. He mm -hmm. doesn't have any kids, but he says, we saw what it was like when you had to use a telephone. Okay, the phone existed, cool, but you know, to find someone, this is now a comedian's routine as well, you had to go pass by places. You spent hours looking for people. Like, you wanna hang out with Martin? Mark wants to hang out with Martin. I gotta go by the pizzeria. I might call you, but if you're not home, I just gotta go out and see if I find you. Like, that is a completely different world. That is not done anymore. I mean, if someone does it, they're a, they're a holdout, they're a hipster. <laughs> um, so Frank talks a lot about how we have an advantage because we went through that and now we use the current technology fully. Maybe even, you know, we understand it quite well. You know, we've been around with it long enough. He thinks there's a tremendous value in having done both, having lived in both worlds. And he says that he thinks pretty much it's a pity the people that are growing up now that don't have this context. He almost feels like it's his duty to tell whoever's listening, if you're young, let me tell you what it was like when there was dial-up for the first time or even before dial-up, you know, and, and he tells stories of that. And I think his point is a very good one because it's like we got, it's like survival skills. Now, uh, granted, we have really crappy survival skills, but we have more than actually this current new generation that never knew the world before. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. I, I don't want to exaggerate. We yeah. would still starve easily. Uh, systems fail. You know. Try to eat each, eat each other yeah. after two days of a power outage. 
Um, I, co I completely agree. And I sometimes ask my parents, are you aware how much you have witnessed in your, in your <laughs> life from growing up in the, in the 50s where most households didn't even have a phone or let alone a TV and then TVs came yeah. along and all of a sudden there were color TVs and there were fax machines and <laughs> go, goes on and go, uh, uh, on and on. The problem is a little bit, they don't, they, they never really experienced the digital revolution that, that much. No, never. it was late. It, Computers were alien to them. Yeah. Uh, until the iPhone and the iPad came along. Now yeah. they know if I touch this, something appears. Right. And, um, yeah. So they got emerged in somehow in this new world. Mm hmm. But some, at the same time, they can't get the connection and they don't really see how all this, uh, the points that I just mentioned, um, each decade brought, brought along with it a revolutionizing technology that became very mainstream. Yeah. Um, but there's this weird knowledge gap. They, they don't see how the, the, the phone or the fax machine would connect to what we're experiencing now. Right, right. And kids that don't have any reference of that. Right. I completely lost. It's yeah. like they woke up on the Christmas tree and there were all these presents. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and how they work. Well, don't know. Maybe don't have to know. Maybe, but I think it's a disadvantage. I think I'm always keeping an eye on the aging process in all its forms. And one way I measure is, um, in myself, if I grab whatever device, be it nowadays a tablet or, um, well, I haven't messed with the, the, uh, the watch yet and I'm not even a big fan, but okay. Um, as long as the device, I can figure it out pretty easily that I, I feel comfortable with it. Because until now, all new technology, all within, you know, consumer technology, I feel pretty comfortable with. I don't feel lost, uh, maybe the first days or something with some new object, but I, I, I get it pretty quickly. The only area where I know that I'm getting older is when I, if I go to somebody's house that has a gaming console and I'm playing with kids that, that are into gaming, like real gaming then I have trouble with the with the rules, with the buttons. There's buttons on the controller that I never had. Um, and I'm not doing that regularly. I'm not a fan of that kind of gaming. So those are the only times where I feel like, okay, now I'm disconnected. Gaming can throw me off. As but, well. but otherwise, you know, anything that takes place on the iPad, if it's a game that kids are into, I've at least played it for an hour. Maybe I've deleted it because I fear uh, it'll get addicting get or I got nothing for it. I don't feel anything for it. So um, that's for me is still a good sign. And that's kind of a difference generationally. I'm still not at the point where technology doesn't work for me or I don't feel a connection. Otherwise, I still feel very at home with any device, basically. I'll that, figure it out. That being said, and I agree to you, but um, consumer electronics have become so much more user friendly. <laughs> They're dumber. So therefore, yes, that's a very good point. That's a very good point. <laughs> but I can fix them when they're messed up for the most part. You know, turn them off, turn them on again, oh. <laughs> uh, unplug yeah, the them. Blowing uh, into slots. Trick doesn't work anymore. Nintendo. Yeah. I actually tried it with a phone once, but it didn't work. So. There's a good, well, good, good with small letters uh, documentary called um, Atari Fail or the the rise and fall of Atari basically and it's the story of how <laughs> um, the game ET when Atari decided to go all in to make the game ET and it was a huge flop and they buried it in the desert and they buried it <laughs> in the desert and in fact the company never really 
rebounded from that moment. And that broke them. The documentary is weird. Well, they sort of say symbolically that broke them and maybe financially too. Uh, Although they were owned by Time at that time or Warner, which is now Time Warner. Anyway, uh, so in the documentary, they, it's really nerdy, but they, they get like an urban archaeologist that's going to go see if he can find these games. But they have these discussions about what, you know, how, how people looked at video games and designing video games and what rock stars they were in their world and how basic it all was. <laughs> like, but I just love, they, they have all these different people explaining the first time they played ET and everyone's just like, it was so exciting. And then I get into this game and I'm like, what is this? He's falling. Wait, he's calling. Wait, what is that thing? I'm in a bowl, you know, and just and I'm watching this game and, I, and calling it the same. I remember as a kid thinking I was dumb because I couldn't get this game. Like, I can't play ET. I'm old now. <laughs> no, I figured my older brother needed to play it because I couldn't get it. No, I just I was like, ET is for older kids. I can't get it. <laughs> talking about old video games, um, they actually become much easier, I think. Uh, Some of the old games are really hard. They always had this one point. Ridiculous. I think it was a program, programming uh, mistake there. Somehow you couldn't solve it. Right. And sometimes yeah. you just had to spend hours and hope for a weird uh, thing to happen that you press the button too long or the com- combination that is not supposed to be yeah. there and the character manages to jump over the end boss. And yeah. You made it to the next level. Or... But it's also very, going back to this idea that in the future people would find this file, for example. Uh, imagine the cities that we live in will be underwater or wherever they are, but they're not going to be here. They're not going to be usable. And people, maybe they're not people. Maybe they're from another planet. I don't know. But they'll be able to understand us. Maybe someone will specialize in this language. And they will also be able to make old files work, which is highly unlikely. <laughs> crab people? You're making crab hands. Crab people. Little lobster the... people. <laughs> Who speaks English? <laughs> what? English? Which will be for us like Latin. Like maybe much worse actually, much further. And crab people. <laughs> Welcome to Earth. This is an iPhone. It's, what? It's touch based. Try it. Ugh. Try it. Yeah, we need an expert. We need. Who's the oldest crab person? (laughs) (laughs) Frustration sound. It doesn't recognize my claws. (laughs) No, no, but then you go to the archaeologist crab, who just barely still has funding at the. Thinking University, and um, and he will under or she will under or it, in fact, <laughs> will understand English and be able to decipher MP3 files, which will be very hard to get to play. And then they'll hear this crap, and then go, crap. "What's lost?" All right, write down the following terms, and we've just launched so many for them. I'm a bit more dystopian. I see the crap people getting so frustrated by the fact that I can't use touchscreen devices that I just use their claws to cut people's hands off and carry around a hand with them to use the iPhones. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's very science fiction future is horror. Terrible. Science fiction horror. A lot of severed hands. Visit. 
Okay, if you made it this far, then you definitely deserve a cookie. It's a longer podcast, but that is part of the freedom of what we can do, especially when two very good friends sit down and talk about this thing, this medium, this art in many ways that we love so much and yet kind of confounds us uh, in, in so many ways as it changes. So hope you enjoyed that. As I mentioned, Stocktown Chronicles is where you can find him and you should subscribe to that program. As for this program, we'll be back real soon with more content. And you can also check out Source Code Berlin. Uh, that's where I'm producing regular projects in association with Wikimedia Deutschland. Uh, okay, so uh, catch you next time. CitizenReporter.org if you don't know the website. Bye! See ya!